Well, thank you. Thank you, Justin, for such a warm uh, welcome. And I can't tell you how excited I am to see um, this church and participate here. I got to put the timer on Dominican. If, if I don't do that, you're in trouble. Um, I, I, just, I just don't know how to keep track of time. So um, here we go. Okay, there, there you go. Now you're safe. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I remember when Justin and I were just talking about this as an idea, as a possible idea, and then seeing a congregation being birthed here, and so many young people. I love to come to this kind of church because I feel younger. And, uh, yeah, I, I went, you know, if you want to feel taller, uh, hang out with short people. So, if, you know, if you want to feel younger, hang out with, with young people. But uh, yes, uh, God bless you guys. Really uh, excited that you're here. And if you're visiting, uh, you are visiting, and, and you know you may be just starting in your search for God. Somebody just said, "Let's go." Hey, come over here. Let's go over here. And you kind of were cheated here. You come in, and it's a church. But it's the most wonderful thing that can happen to you to be here this morning. And we hope that uh, for whatever reason that you came, that you leave in a different way. That you leave savoring what God is and what God has. For you, And the passage that we're going to be talking about, the, uh, Justin said that you're in a series uh, talking about the stories of Jesus, the parables. Jesus loved talking in parables. And this is one of my favorite ones. It's in Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. And it reads this way. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man that, there that was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. So the parables of the kingdom um, of God, the kingdom of God is the central message of Jesus. And it represents the hope of actually everybody that is here. You may not be aware of it, but it summarizes the entire hope of the Bible. And it's a, it's a message that is too rich, too profound to just talk about it. You can't just teach on it. You can't just 
make proclamations about the kingdom. You got to kind of tell stories. You got to illustrate it. You have to use metaphors to try to bring in the richness of what this hope represents. And these are the parables. And the parables usually summarize a key, one key point of the kingdom of God that if we embrace it, it has the ability to turn our lives upside down. If we just understand what it is and embrace it by faith, it could change your life right now on the instant. It could radically upset us in a good way. But also the parables of the kingdom challenge expectations. This one truth that the parables communicate through metaphor and story challenge the expectations that everybody has about how the world is to be. And the way that it challenges is the kingdom of God represented the ultimate hope that the Jewish people had. If you read the Bible, if you read Jewish history, that's, this represents the hope that they have. But he turns it around, and Jesus always challenges the expectations that we have about how things are supposed to be. For example, one of the things that Jesus did all the time, and this is what attracted me to faith, by the way. I didn't go up in the faith. I was a street dude. And when I heard about Jesus this way, I started going to church. Jesus loved to go to parties. <laughs> and he went to parties with shady people. And the people who were straight and upright were kind of mad and upset at the fact that who Jesus hung out with. That is a point of the kingdom of God. It's a party open to those who are despised and the, the marginalized people, the people who don't qualify, party with Jesus. I remember reading the, the book of Matthew for the first time. The, the first story ever I read in the Bible was a, 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 the guy who wrote this story, wrote this book. He threw a party with his friends who were a whole bunch of thieves and, and sinners and people who were despised. And Jesus was in the middle of it. And the, and, and the Pharisees and the religious leaders were the one upset. And I said, man, I never, I never heard that, Jesus. And that's, that started me in a spiritual journey. Now, in this story, he talks, Jesus talks about party all the time. This story is about a party. It's about a party, a wedding feast that a king throws for his son and invites the guests that have been invited already. He says, it's all ready. And they put all kinds of excuses to come. And he insists. He insists in inviting them. He says servants after servants after servants. And then when they kind of reject them all together and he gets really upset with them and as a king sends them to hell. <laughs> he says, I, I'm going to continue inviting people. Those who are not qualified, fill the house, man, because the, the cattle is fattened. The fattened cattle has been killed. The, the, I mean, this is going to go cold. I need people to eat this stuff. Get them all in. It's an amazing story. And this is the first thing it teaches us. It teaches us that the kingdom of God is an invitation. It's an invitation that we're all, everybody, the, those who are considered by society qualified and those who are disqualified are invited to respond to. See, throughout the Bible, and this story kind of uh, uh, brings it out. The king, okay, this is not just like, okay, Justin inviting you to his house, you know. <laughs> this is the king that is inviting you to the wedding feast of his son. And he seeks, he prepares everything. He does everything. And throughout the scripture, God is seen this way, persistently, persistently going after the invited to the feast that he has prepared 
for them. And it says, even when they did not, would not come, he insisted. And this is it. The original guests of this story are Pharisees and uh, teachers of the law, which means that they were the religious leader. But also the original guests of the story represents the people of God in the Old Testament, the people that considered themselves the privileged ones of God, the ones that received the law and the feasts and the temple. And this is what Matthew 21, 45, right before the story, says. The chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, and they perceived that he was speaking about them. Duh. Yes, he is. <laughs> and they were like all upset. But there is a lesson, and there is a warning for all of us here. Yes, it was for them, but it's for us as well. That's why this story is here, and Matthew writes it. No one comes to the party unless it's invited by the king. See, this turns religion upside down. Because religion is about you calling to God and he responding to you. Christianity is God and you, you've been avoiding it all the time. God is constantly calling you and you respond to his calling. The king is always taking the initiative and seeking you out, even if you came this morning kind of like cheated into a spiritual theater, that's how I used to invite people to my church. Let's go to a spiritual theater. There's air conditioning. It was really hot in DR. And then they found themselves in the church. I don't know what, what, I don't know what God is using, but he's actually calling us. Our coming to God is not a natural thing. This is... This is what Christians call grace with a capital G. It's all of grace. He sets the party. He kills the animals. He throws, he puts the money. It's his son. It's his party. And he invites you in. And all you got to do is respond. This message really draw me to faith. Because see, every, all my life I thought it was about religion. It's about how I go up to God, and I knew I was disqualified just trying to take off. I just knew this thing wasn't for me. Religion is for the qualified, whatever religion you are. But to hear that Christianity is about God coming down to me, to the depths of where I am, and extending me an invitation. Oh, my gosh. And it's the king of the universe. So that's the good news about this. And let me ask you, is God calling you? How, you know, is God stirring your heart? Are you feeling kind of displaced in this life? Are you feeling like, yeah, I've made this place home, yet I don't feel like home. I feel like my life is not where it's supposed to be. You start feeling this angst in your soul that you're built for something different. That what you're pursuing is actually not the thing that you were built for. That you go after it and you attain it. And when you attain it, you have to go for, for the next thing. And New York is really good in offering you the next thing. Real quick, without having to think about it. But yet you feel so like, you know, you feel that nudge in your heart. Who am I? Maybe it's an intellectual kind of concern that you have. Maybe it's like, who am I? What am I here for? Can I get some water, please? Whatever it is, like I'm feeling thirsty right now. You might be feeling thirsty right now. 
And you don't know what it is. It's God. It's God stirring your mind. It's God stirring your heart. You may be dealing with addictions that you can't overcome. And every methodology that they tell you out there and every, 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 it's, yeah, maybe you're clean, but you know in your soul you're not. Maybe you're not, you've overcome one problem just to wake up to the next problem. And you feel like so, and and you're like, what is it about life? Ah, if you're in that place, don't numb that. It's God calling you. And he's saying, you accepted an invitation to the wrong party, my friend. I want you to go to the right party. His party, the party of his son. Now, a warning here is that your spiritual search button may be on right now, but there's no guarantee that it's going to be on tomorrow. See, the king is the one who's searching you, and when it's the king of heaven, the Lord of lords, the one who created everything and sustains the whole universe, who's infinite and all-powerful, he's the one inviting you. You know, you don't know if that invitation is going to come some of the time. You don't know. You're not in control of that. So today is an invitation. Every Sunday you come is an invitation. So I hope you respond because it's an awesome invitation. Now, it's an invitation that is open to all. The text tells us the unexpected part of the kingdom of God is here. When the invited ones rejected the invitation, the servant says, Go to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And they went out into the roads, and they gathered all who they found, good and bad. The good and the bad. And Luke, the version of of the Gospel of Luke says, the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And and bring them in. And the streets and the alleys are the poor, the immigrants, the sick, the morally outcast, the people who don't make the cut. Matthew himself, the one who's writing the story, is one of them. He knows the good and the bad. That's like the phrase that I most like about this story. And kind of like, what? I mean, I understand the good, the bad, and if we would have sent Kleenex with the ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone can come regardless who they are, their status in life, their moral status in life, anybody. I mean, you may feel okay right now. You're invited. You need the invitation. Everybody needs it. You may be like totally screwed up right now, and you're invited. You go out through the streets of Bay Ridge right now, and respectable, upright, decent people, they're invited. But people who are messed up, screwed up, and moral, and made a mess of their life, they're welcome too. The wealthy are invited. The poor are invited. That's what the church should be. All these people together, the white, the Latino, the black, the Asian, the Jew, all welcome. All invited. Documented and undocumented. All invited. Equally invited. Gentrifiers and natives. All invited. College educated and street educated. All invited. Gay and straight. All invited. By the way, there's nobody straight sexually. Everybody's messed up. Just to, just to clarify. Addicts, prostitutes, thieves, rapists, pushers, dealers, child molesters, killers, all welcomed. Woo, sounds weird, right? 
Maybe I said one category there that makes you feel uncomfortable. Why? Because it's totally counterintuitive to the way we think we, God, we approach God. It's totally counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive to the way we think of faith, spirituality, church. You may have grown up in church and you grew up. If you grew up in church, you probably grew up thinking this qualifies, this one doesn't. See, if Christianity were good advice, it helps you. But this, that's not what it is. It's good news. It's good news that the table is laid out. That the, 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 the animals were sacrificed already. That it's all there, ready. And all you have to do and is, 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 is receive the invitation. Jesus always provoked those who think that only certain people were qualified for this invitation. Always. He one time told the Pharisees and the religious leaders, Truly I say to you, and this is in Matthew, again, right before this story. Truly I say to you that tax collectors, tax collectors are corrupt politicians, by the way. <laughs> Republicans and Democrats. I say to you, tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of heaven before you. I can think of a few politicians that I have in my mind, and the idea that they go into the kingdom of heaven before me kind of like freaks me out. What? If there's somebody that doesn't qualify as that guy, ah, you'd be surprised. This is why it makes sense to represent the kingdom of God as a feast. See, this is what brings party into the life. To know that good and bad are not none are qualified. And yet it's an invitation of the king into your life. A group of Latino leaders with our spouses, about 23 or 24 of us, uh, there was a single guy, 23. Um, we, we went to Israel for 10 days, and we visited all areas of Israel, with the holy places. We interviewed politicians. We interviewed scholars. It was a research about, you know, how do we understand the conflict between Palestinians and Israelites and and, and we just, they, they, we had a designated bus 24-7 for us. And we had heavy armed guards because we went into dangerous places. Kind of, they were like, it was, in, we felt five-star hotel. Five-star restaurants for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner. And we didn't pay a cent. It was all paid for, even the ticket. I went in business class because I have a problem in the back. They put me in business class. And I can tell you what the sentiment of that group was from day one. From the moment we got on the plane was gratitude and awe. We were like, oh my God. It was like, this is amazing. We said, this is amazing. This is crazy. This is like the most ultimate thing. Every second, we would look at ourselves like, wake up, wake up. You know why? Because we all knew we did not qualify for that trip. We all knew that. It was all paid for for a project called Philo's Project that want to teach about reconciliation. And this is the thing. This is why it's a feast. It's not a feast if you think, yeah, of course, I deserve to be in that party. But if you know you're not deserve, what? The king is inviting me? It's always good. You're always going to be like, what? I'm freaking in this party. I can't believe it. That's how you live the life. That. That's why joy is the sign that you get it. Joy is the sign that you get it. Because 
We Christians are the ones supposed to be partying the most. I don't understand bored Christians. I just don't get it. I mean, I work for Presbyterians. I love my brothers Presbyterians. And they know how to worship the Lord very calmly. And I know, that, I know many of them, and the, their heart is just bursting with gratitude. Even if you worship with calmness of spirit or blasting the radio, however it is, dancing salsa or just standing still, there's something in your heart that stirs in you. There's this sense of awe. There's this sense of like, I don't deserve this, my God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is why it's a feast. Get it? Now, is this true of you? I want to talk to those in the house. Is this true of you? And why not? It, we, we forget. This is why the church practices a thing called communion. This is why we have these things called the means of grace. This is why we meditate in the Word of God. We go to small groups and speak this truth to each other because our heart tends to drift away from that. That's the natural state of the heart. We drift, even when we know this and experience, we drift away. We always fall back into I deserve it mode. And life stinks when you think you deserve it. There's no joy in that. But then we, we speak this truth to each other. We encourage each other. This is why we got to come to church and hear this stuff all the time. We got to go to small groups and hear this all the time. We got to be listening. And not all Christian music, a lot of Christian music out there is not telling you this stuff. But, you know, we got to be feeding our souls in this and warming our hearts. Now, it's exclusive to those who respond in the appropriate way, by the way. It's inclusive to all, but you got to respond. And there's a way to respond. <laughs> there's a way to respond. So the, the amazing thing about this story, that kind of like the most common response to this invitation of the king is rejection. This is the most common response it's rejection. And we see it three ways here. Indifference. Like the king sends the servants out and come on, come on in and, and he has to send them again. And then check out the excuses. I got a farm to attend. It's the king's wedding. It's the king's son's wedding. I got a farm. I, I, got, a, I got my business, man. Oh my! You, do you know what New York is? It's like, I don't have time. This city is 24-7. Lights don't go out. I got I to gotta make a living. And Luke, it says, I just got married. And, you know, I, I look at that one and says, man, that one kind of makes sense. <laughs> you just got married, dude. Go do your thing, right? But not even that is a suitable excuse to reject. The king's invitation. So there is indifference. There is hostility. It says that some of the, some of the rest of them seized his servants and treated them shamefully and killed them. And we, we know about this. New York City is a hostile city for many Christians. Some spaces in New York City, man, to identify yourself in Christians, you know you're not going to get the promotion. You know you're not, you might not be hired. You know that you're going to be ridiculed. You know you're going to be you, you, You're afraid to actually say it because you know what that's going to cost you. They're going to look at you like, what? What planet are you from? What era? 
are you from? You, you're going to look like a dinosaur in New York City if you publicly say you're Christian in certain circles. Hostility. And then defiant. The defiant one, we'll look at that one, the last one. It's not wearing the wedding clothes. Getting in without wearing the wedding clothes. Okay, let's. What's the problem with these people? See, this is the truth. This is the hard truth, okay? I, I, okay, I just talked to you about the good news about this feast. This is the hard truth. We're all running away from God. Even when he's pursuing us, the natural state of the heart is that we are running away. This is the picture of Christianity. You are running away. He's chasing after you. And you're like, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Don't bother me. And he's pursuing, he's pursuing, he's pursuing. Ever since Adam and Eve, ever since Adam and Eve, when God showed up in the garden, what did they do? They hide. Why? Why? Because they made something else the focus of their attention. See, they, when, when God is not the king, something else is your king. That's something else that is your king. When God shows up, you hide from God. God is not a, or you make up a God that is not so uncomfortable to be in front of. Because God is the one who reveals everything about us. See, you can't be before God and not be exposed. And this is the thing. We all, everybody here, I'm not seeing you well because I got lights, but I can tell you a truth about you. I'm not, I'm not some kind of witch or anything like that. I don't read tarot cards. But I can tell you this. You are hiding. You're even hiding from yourself. You don't want the people in this room to know everything there is to know about you. Our strategies in life is hiding behind layers of layers of layers of, of stuff that we don't want to discover about ourselves. We don't, want to go to, we don't want to go to counseling. Men, we hate counseling. Why? Because kind of the counselors have this gift of drawing out things that we don't want to be drawn out. Because that's an eternal state, a perpetual state of hiding. And guess who we can't hide? The moment he shows up, everything is revealed and it freaks us out. It's God. It's the king. So what do we do? We, we chase after other. We make other things our kings. You know what Adam and Eve made like the whole of their lives? A freaking tree. <laughs> it was like the tree. Wisdom. It's a freaking tree. See, that's the point. We make anything the awe of our lives, the moment God is not our king. And that enslaves us. It destroys us. What are you making your king? And that thing that is your king is what is revealed by the presence of the true king. Because he says there's no competition. I'm supposed to be the king. And he reveals everything about our hearts. It's Proverbs 28, 28, 9 it says, A king who sits on the throne of judgment winnows all evil with his eyes. Who can say, I have made my heart pure. I am clean from my sin. It's all exposed. And we hide in many ways. We hide through religion, and that's the religious leaders that Jesus spoke directly this parable to. They hide through their religion. The, their good works and their deeds and their religious festivals and all that stuff, they hide through that. You make religion the means by which you feel that you're qualified. See, God gave them the temple, the law, the feast, all as an expression of gratitude to his loving grace. But they made it the thing that made them acceptable before God. And that's why they disqualified, they judged, they were so hard to live with. Because they just thought, 
behind their morality, behind their religion, behind their good behavior is hiding a rejection of the king. You're rejecting, you're rejecting the king as savior. You're making yourself to be your own savior. The moment you put your trust, somebody asked me, do you really believe God accepts you only on the basis of what he did for you, that there's nothing that you do? Do you really believe that? And I said, listen, if I did not believe that, I'd be probably one of the most dangerous dudes. If I believe that it depends only an inch of me, only just some, it's only 1% of you, Robert, I would say, forget it. I don't even qualify for that 1%. I know. I know. You hide through religion, but you hide also through irreligion. We hate God, and we prefer to go out farming. We prefer our business. We prefer that woman or that man or that whatever it is. We prefer that good stuff that God gave us instead of going to the wedding feast. And it might not be religion, but it might be some, it's something else. And once we reject the king, something else becomes our king. And these are other ways to cover up our nakedness, our sense of shame, just like Adam and Eve did. So you're, you have a fixation to your career, to your job, to sex, to romance. Maybe it's family. Whatever it is, entertainment, whatever it is, it's hiding from the king. It's hiding from the king. But there's another way to reject God, and this is the scary one. Because it's a counterfeit way to respond to the invitation. There's another way to, re there's another way to, it's not only to obvious religious way, religion, there's another way, and I call it the pseudo-Christian way. And here it is. It says in this other, there's a little thing about this story that, there's an added thing about this story that kind of like, what is this? But when the king came to see the guest, he noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. And he asked, how do you get in here? Without wedding clothes, friend, the man was speechless. And the king told the attendants, tie him up, foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Everybody's invited, but you got to wear the right garment. What are we talking about? It's like, you know, going to a funeral. Have you ever gone to a funeral in shorts and red shirt? You're out of place. You went to the wrong place. That's not a way to go to a funeral. I mean, I don't know if there's a culture in which you go in shorts and sandals and red shirt, but that's just not the way. There's something, the appropriateness of being in there. Now, you may think, what's the, what's the garment? Is it being good? Of course not. Good and bad are invited. Whatever it is, it's something that you know you can't be kicked out. So it can't be goodness because the bad dudes are in there. Right? So it's not that. And it's not this. This is, this is like, this is the new spirituality. God accepts you as you are. No, he doesn't. You got to have the right garment for him to accept you. Are you following me? Okay, maybe you're saying, but wait a minute, you're just contradicting yourself right here. You just said everything, this thing is open for everybody. Yes, everybody and everybody that comes needs to be clothed in the right garment. What am I talking about? 
Old Testament religion and faith and spirituality understands what he's talking about perfectly. This image comes up throughout the Old Testament, and it's made really clear in the New Testament. Let me read to you these passages, and maybe they can show on the screen. In Isaiah 61.10, this is the promise given. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns himself, herself with her joy. Who robes us? Which righteousness is the one that covers me? It's his, not mine. It's not mine. Because see, if it's mine, I'm out. I'm done. I, I can't afford that clothing. He clothes us with his righteousness. And then in Zechariah, I like this one. In Zechariah chapter 3, Israel is so messed up that even the priest is like messed up and corrupt and everything, you know. And, and Zechariah gives this vision. The prophet Zechariah, it says, Then he showed me Joshua. Joshua was the priest. He showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. Then I said, Put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by him. And that's the image. Ever since Adam and Eve, we've been clothing ourselves with fig leaves. A fig leaf. Could you imagine a fig leaf to clothe my guilt and stuff like that? You know, like a platano tanga or something. I don't know what it is. It's so freaking ridiculous. Hey, I can see everything, you know. And ever since Adam and Eve, God is the one who clothed them. He clothed them. He, he, he gave them skins of animals and he covered them. The, the, the idea of being covered and clothed to be able to be in the presence of the divine is a theme throughout the scriptures. And Isaiah and the prophet tells he, you before the Lord and with the accuser by your side, oh man, you are so filthy. But then he washes you. He, he, he clothes you. He gives you a turban. He, 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 he's the one that does it. See, you, do you get it? Now. Now, here is the beautiful thing. This is, this is all prep, setting us up. It's setting us up for what? For the one who truly closes us. The garment that truly makes us acceptable before God. Which is that one? Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27 says, So in Christ you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself. With who? With Christ. See, it's the clothing that gives me the full confidence that I'm not going to be kicked out. Because I am clothed with the righteousness of Christ. He not only died the death that I should have died and I deserve to die. He lived a life that I couldn't live 
before me, and his righteousness, his perfect record, is given to me as a clothing that I wear that gives me full confidence that the king may come, and I, can't, I don't have to be afraid. I actually, I can just thank him and embrace him because this king becomes now my father. See, that's the kingdom. That is the good news of the king. That's why it's a party. That's why it's a party. And this clothing is, is seen. See, when you're clothed with the righteousness of Christ, you know what happens? You begin to live a life of gratitude, of joy, of, of, obe of willing obedience. It's, it's a clothing that you don't clothe yourself, but it's seen. Everybody sees it. You become one of those servants that is all out there inviting people. You become one of those people that is worshiping like crazy while other people are looking at you. Well, this guy's like, what's, what's going on? And you're like, man, okay, you don't understand what I got, but hold on a second. And you just keep going because, listen, that's what happens. You worship. You pray. You obey. You confess your sins. It hurts your heart. It breaks you when you hurt the heart of the king who has loved you and clothed you this way. That's the life that comes out. And people see it. It's a visible thing. The story doesn't end there. The story ends with, this is, this is not just a parable, by the way. This is a picture of where the history of the world is going. This is a picture of why this church is called Zion. You know why? You might be Z, Church Z. Is this like a zombie thing or what? <laughs> no. Z stands for the city of God, Zion. That will descend from heaven like a bride. And there's going to be a feast. And this is how it ends. Revelations chapter 19. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud pearls of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. Here it is. There's the feast. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wear that can be seen. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words of God. So what are you going to do with this invitation? What are you going to do with this invitation? Has God spoken to you today? See, you have to accept the king. The king himself gave his life, sacrificed himself to make way for you to be invited to his own feast. And this is an invitation that has eternal consequences. It says here that those who reject this invitation will be cast out. And it's basically God giving you the desire of your heart that you've always had. You spend your whole life telling God, leave me alone. And one day, God will say, I will leave you alone forever. And you will discover that is the deepest most profound darkness that you will ever live. And that's why this church exists. We want you to come to the feast 
of the Son of God. All you got to do is respond. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads and pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for uh, bringing joy into joyless lives. Thank you for setting the table for those of us that we know, good or bad, that we don't qualify. Through the good deeds that we do or through the messed up life that we live, we've always been running away from you. But thank you for pursuing us. And you pursued us to the point that you send your own son, the one to whom the feast belongs, you sent him to die for us, to take our place. He is the fattened calf that was sacrificed on our behalf. And now we can come in, clothed in the beauty and righteousness of our Lord Jesus, standing before the king with no fear and pure joy. Help us, Lord, live in that truth. Help us just remind ourselves of that truth. And I pray for those who are here that have not been clothed yet with Jesus, that today, even today, would be a time, Lord, that they would respond. If you're here and you, you don't know if you're a Christian and you know you're not, God is calling you. God is inviting you. That's why you're here. What will you do to the invitation? Will you break it, throw it away, discard it for something else? Or will you say, yes, yes, I received the garment. I received Jesus. I want his life. I turn and surrender my life to him. That could be your decision today. In Jesus' name, amen.